I'm Hassani Dotson, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast, presented by the fresh deliciousness of Cub. I'm Steve McPherson, and I am joined as ever by Cal Williams, and we are tremendously excited to have a couple of youngins on the show today. Chase Gasper and Hassani Dotson, two breakout rookies for Minnesota United this year. Probably split the rookie of the year vote, really dooming them each individually, but such great guys. Uh, now that the season over, now that the season is over, I wanted to ask you, are you guys technically not rookies anymore? Is it like a is it a rising sophomore thing, Chase? Like, are, do you have like sophomore status yet, or? No, no, I still had to pick up the phones <laughs> and the soccer tennis net after practice today, so I still feel like a rookie. Okay, so it doesn't really until you get more rookies, you guys are the effective rookies. Correct. Yes, I wanted to sort of start by asking about some of that stuff, like the sort of role of rookies on the team, and you know, having to do stuff like carry bags, pick up cones. Is that uh, like Hassani? Is that something that? Was your college experience that way? Is it the same sort of thing? Like the young guys do certain things and the, the, the seniors have, you know, the run of the place or it, were you used to it or is it something new for you coming into the league? Um, for me personally at Oregon state, um, I didn't have to do any of the like rookie duties or, um, like singing or any of that type of stuff. But okay. uh, <laughs> I kind of figured coming here, um, it was going to be like that. And I tried to like take each job, like prideful to show that I'm willing to do whatever it takes for the team. Yeah. So is that, I mean, what is that kind of experience? I feel like it's sort of one of those things that is kind of old school about sports teams. And I think you see it across a lot of different leagues that this is, I mean, sometimes you get hazing full on with rookies, but just sort of the thing of rookies do these sort of jobs. um, And then you sort of earn your seniority as you go through the team. It it seems sort of foreign in some ways to, you know, nowadays of, um, you know, it's sort of an old school hierarchical way to run an organization. Do you feel chase like it brings some benefits though, to just sort of the way the team functions as a whole? Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you mentioned the word hazing earlier and, uh, I feel like in today's society that that term gets thrown out a lot and it's definitely has like a negative commentation to it, but we we don't view it as hazing. We, we view it as kind of earning our stripes and Mm -hmm. trying to gain the respect of the older guys. Cause we are, we know day one, we're bottom of the totem pole, especially, not even just because of age, but coming out of college in the soccer world, that's, that's bottom of the totem pole. So, <laughs> um, we knew, and I mean, it's something we wanted to do at the start, uh, you know, that you just got to put in the time and the effort to really earn your teammates respect. And especially on a team like this, we had so many older guys that are established veterans, uh, not just in MLS, but in leagues around the world, such great players. So, um, it was, it's more something you wanted to do as opposed to like a task that we were forced to do. Sure. The older guys like Wyatt Carter, all the guys that were rookies the year before they helped us the first week at, mm-hmm. you know, this is, you probably want to pick up the weights after the weight sessions. You probably want to get the cones and they helped us out a lot. So it was an easy transition, but um, yeah, it's, it's not as bad as people think. Yeah. Was there any time you ran a foul of it? Like you just like, sometimes I don't load the dishwasher correctly. And I will, I will hear about it. Um, if it, you know, I will be asked why I thought that was a good idea. 
to do that way. Did you guys ever run afoul of the the sort of order of things in this in this season? No, it was more just Asani and I talking about how <laughs> us two in particular, just us two, are going to do everything. So uh, it's more just co- communication between Hassani and I. Okay, okay. I think also is like it's a good way of getting all the young guys um, together and something we at least can talk or joke about out amongst ourselves. And obviously, like Carter and Wyatt, they've been through it last year. So um, it's just also another thing that we can talk about and, um, like, have in common with. Yeah, it's a bonding thing. Cal, Cal is also here. I'm sorry. I've just been trampling. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation. It's fabulous. <laughs> I'm going to throw it to Cal. I, well, first of all, how's your week been, Cal? I usually get to ask you how you've been doing, and, I, you know, you sort of launch right into it. Oh, my week? Yeah. Um, well, I'm no longer dragging ass, which is great. Okay, that's good. Um, that's good. It's good quality. <laughs> you've recovered some from the end of the I, season? I've recovered some okay. from the end of the season, but okay. there's still things going on in the office, so it's, yes. it's all exciting times, mate. I'm yes. enjoying myself right yes. now, yes. Well, do you have any uh, questions for, for, the, for the guys? Uh, many, um, which we'll, we'll delve into a little deeper, no doubt, during the podcast. But I think the first question I have for both of you, obviously it's very different going from the collegiate soccer world to um, the professional soccer world. Chase, I'll start with you. When did that realization hit you? What was that moment when you kind of thought, oh, this is really different? It was the first week of practice in in the indoor facility at National Sports Center. Um, Yeah, I saw Darwin get the ball and just do some incredible things. And I knew from that moment, I said, oh, okay, this is next level. You like make three players. And so from that point on, I said, all right, keep your, keep your legs closed and just stay focused. <laughs> Hopefully this year goes well. So what about you? Um, I think for me, like he said, the first week, like normally I like to think of myself as like a hard worker, but like when we were training, just even possession drills, um, I'd find myself breathing when I'm, like, super heavy when I'm off the ball. I'm like, oh, man, this is another level. Um, and then, obviously, you know, going from place to place in preseason, um, like, we were basically living in hotels for the first, what, month and a half. I was like, oh, like, this is this is next level. This is next level. Yeah, it's um, – it, there's sort of, I feel like for a lot, I mean, other other players I've talked to, um, I used to cover the NBA, and so I've talked to basketball players and, and, and soccer players now, but that sense of going from, you know, as you go, sort of rising through the ranks as a, as, a, as a young player, you know, you stand out as one of the better players on so many teams coming up, and then you hit this level, and it's like, well, everybody was that guy on every team they've come through. So I'm sure that's a bit of an adjustment. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, was, was there anything that specifically, um, sort of surprised you, um, in those early weeks? I mean, obviously the, realizing the level that you were, that you were coming to, but just experiences or things you weren't expecting as you started your professional career with Minnesota United. That's a tough question. Yeah. Uh, I asked the tough ones. <laughs> Cal gives you the softballs <laughs> or players. You know, that was another thing I was curious about. If there was guys you came in thinking like, oh, well, you know, I've watched Ike Opara play or, you know, I, I know Ozzy Alonzo. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, growing up in, in the Pacific Northwest, obviously in, in C- near Seattle, like you must have known Ozzy by yeah, reputation yeah, yeah. at that point. So was there anything, you know, maybe about those guys that surprised you just coming in meeting those guys? I think it was just such a big difference of um, like knowing who they were, like, just like based off of like being a fan or watching from the outside and now you're realizing okay I have to compete I have to go in and tackle against them like it's not like you're scared or anything it's just like 
it's a different mindset. Like, oh, now we're on the same, basically, like, same uh, level playing field, you know? Like, yeah. So I think that was, um, it's also very exciting, but that was a different piece for me. Yeah. What about you, Chase? Yeah. I, to piggyback off what he said, uh, I thought it was learning how to train, uh, I guess, most efficiently. Because, like you mentioned before, in college, you're just taught go 100 miles per hour, 100%, sure. 24-7. And that's how you win. That's how you succeed in college. Whereas here, it's not every drill you're going like as hard as you can, 100%. It's just focusing when you need to focus uh, You know, for like the f- five or six reps that you, do, that you do in a drill. Or if we're scrimmaging and guys can turn it off and turn it back on, you know, at water breaks, you can have a joke with your friends. But then as soon as you step back on the field for the scrimmage, it's like you're, you're not enemies, but you compete as hard as you can and competing against guys that you looked up to playing like Ike Opara, Ozzy Alonso, Vito when he was at Arsenal. Yeah. I, I think that was the biggest surprise to me. Like, wow, like Asani said, we're on this level playing field. I'm going against guys that I really looked up to and I modeled my game after. And so that realization of, you know, it, it's, game time like this is welcome to the show this <laughs> yeah. is it I the, think that was it the the rhythm and 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 sort of of watching training and you realize that there's a lot to it seems like they're very you know they're very um not precise isn't exactly the right word but it's very conscious that you go hard and then you stop because mm-hmm. the game i mean first of all tremendously long season much longer than you're used to obviously in college but that you know a lot of the game is going to be going really hard and then being able to like back off that assess and then go hard again and so there's sort of that interval element to training in terms of the length of the season that was another thing i wanted to ask is that did you hit a point in the season where you were like this is more soccer than <laughs> 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 this is yes. more soccer than i'm used so, to chase is saying yeah 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 we hit several points <laughs> in the season that we thought that there are many mornings when you wake up and on the drive in you're just like well, what is going on right now this is still happening was it like at the same was it, you know so however long you how, how long is the college season like j- like game wise three months okay three and a half. So, so okay so d- did you feel like that particular wall at that moment in the in in playing this season i was just curious sort of curious like was it that moment of like my body expects to be done i don't think it's that i think it's so like we start august beginning of august we have our season and then we don't really have an off season because we're training for the combine then you have the combine and then you come in and we're not guaranteed a contract or anything so now it's more of like a mental grind like okay we had a college season, then now we have to work for the combine, make a team. Now it's okay. We have to make the team. Like we're happy for the opportunity, but now we have to make the team. Sure. Then you make the team, and you're trying to learn everything for the first time. You know, like what to do, what should I do? Like, do I go in, like you said, a hundred percent all the drill, mm-hmm. or but then the next day I'm going to be too sore and too tired to perform at my top, like top level. So then when like the summer comes, it's not. I mean, yeah, we're physically tired, but it's like the whole mental stress yeah, of what mental, happened yeah. um, from college season because we didn't get a break, really. Right, right. I was going to ask as well, in terms of the collegiate season, there has been a suggestion now by several NCAA coaches that the, the collegiate season needs to be longer. Where do you chaps stand on that? Oh, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I feel I, I can speak on that because Sasha Swarovski, our yes. Maryland head coach, he's the one who's uh, taking the head on this movement. And I, f- I fully support it, I think system makes sense uh, for college, but for American soccer as a whole, I think that 
the college game, the way it's set up, it's 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 not progressing and improving as the season goes on. It's managing injury. That's nice. that's what the college season is. It's forcing your players to play two games in a week for three and a half months straight and then just keep motivating them like, hey, it's only two more games. Just try not to get hurt. And let's win. <laughs> and that's, that's what the college season is where if you expanded it to the the two-semester model that he's um, he's talked about in his outline, I think it makes sense because it gets rid of mid- midweek games so you aren't traveling. You can focus on school during the week, which you can't do during the season. Sure. You play on the weekends. And so uh, not only it helps out your body with recovery and actually getting the most out of the games and the training sessions, but it also helps uh, academically where you have time to really focus on your classes because – what, what most people think is student-athletes that they don't want to learn. There are a lot of us that actually were interested in school mm-hmm. and want right. to, you know, you compete on the field, but you want to compete in the classroom as well. And so uh, when you play a sport during season, it's tough to do that. It's very, yeah. very tough. So uh, this two-semester model, I think, will help college soccer, will help uh, college soccer with progressing the game, but as well as preventing injury, and it will help American soccer in the long run. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Were you yeah, I think like right now with our current system, it's it's more about who's in form because you're not playing that long. Mm-hmm. And also you don't really get better during season because you're just one training game, then regen, tactical training game. And so it's hard for players that are fringe, like they could start, but they're on the bench. How are they supposed to train if they're always on the practice squad and they're not getting like full ghost uh, training sessions? And then you have that for, what, two to four years or two to three years when they're trying to get better. Comes their senior year, they could get hurt, like Chase said. I think um, – but one one positive that I will say about um, – that I will give about this current system, I mean, I think it should be two-semester uh, model. Mm-hmm. But the only positive is that when we played MLS games, I was like, okay – we did this in college the whole season when we did like Wednesday, Two games Saturday. Week, yeah. yeah, that that's the only that's the only mm-hmm. benefit I see. But other than that, like you said, um, like at Oregon State, we started school later than most schools, so we had like three to four games um, just in the summer. But besides that, like when school comes, you're trying to make say you have you're taking science or math class and you have to, to go to um, a lab. You can't make that lab in. Like, the professors are trying to work with you, but you can't really make it up. Yeah. And so that, like, that makes it difficult to try to reach your goals academically. Like, if you wanted to keep a high GPA because you wanted to go to grad school, grad school for whatever you want to do, like, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And especially when you're, like, this is your season. Obviously, people have goals in soccer, but also you have goals in the classroom. So it's kind of hard to, like, okay, well, do I just sacrifice this term or semester for soccer um, and then try to uh, get it, my GPA back up later? And then that gives the um, impression that we don't care about school. So. Yeah, and, and that's tough because I think that especially if you're looking at, I mean, you know, I think from the outside a lot of people look at athletes, per athletes You know, you look at like the NBA and things like that. You're like, well, you make it to the NBA and then you're set, right? You get – and obviously you're being paid – more than soccer players are being paid, but they're also, you know, your career can be 
I think the average NBA career is like four years, five years, something like that. And so in soccer, obviously, you know, the salaries are less and everything like that. It's like, you're not going to be doing this for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Like you might be in soccer, but you know, your education is a big part of that. Like you want to be able to finish school. You want to be able to feel like you could at least go back and finish school. And so you want to be able to focus on it. And so to compress, compress all that season into that three months or something is, I mean, it certainly seems like it's doing a disservice to the athletes, both in terms of their soccer development and then, you know, development outside of that. So, and unfortunately what happens a lot is just even the, you know, you you stay up late one night, like doing a, writing a paper, stay up all night and then you have practice the next morning. So you're like kind of tight and then you tweak, you know, your hamstring or your right. groin, just the smallest tweak, two weeks, which in a, uh, in the pro league, you miss one or two games in college. There's like a quarter of your season, right. five or six gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Games out the window just because like, Hey, I, I was rushed cause I was writing a paper and so yeah. I was a little late. My body's not ready. And screws you potentially mm -hmm. for a pro career with that whole season's out the out the window right let me play devil's advocate here and by no means do i mean any any sort of disrespect here but coming from overseas obviously things are done very different how do you guys now see the homegrown system and the academy system developing here in the u.s is that a way that you think the league should go or should they continue to stick with the collegiate system or both so for me um obviously i didn't play for sounders academy growing up um, I think the homegrown system is good because now I'm seeing that they're offering contracts that also pay for the college and they have the second team for the for them to play at to develop. But I also think it limits that player of where he can go. Right. Because obviously they have their rights. And with there's not as many like transactions like you'd say as in Europe where it's okay if he's not playing here he can go on loan because they're in a professional club like at 17 or 18. He can go on loan somewhere else and then play. So, like, if you get a homegrown and then you're not playing on either team, then you're also losing development that way. And not every state has a club where they can homegrown players. So I think, like, on a sense, like, it's good because you get them exposed to um, professional environment early. So, like, the small changes that we've noticed – like coming to Minnesota United, they are used to that at a young age. But at the same time, then you miss just that, um, like that competition aspects. Like I was overlooked, Chase was overlooked. So, like, yeah, players are developing more technically maybe ahead of us, but they're missing that competition, that drive, that extra motor. So I think, for me, I think they're, yeah, the homegrown system is good, but I don't think that the – it should, like the college system should be washed away. I think right. if you mm -hmm. improve the model, you, you, you will see that there's a lot of good players in there and they have a lot, there's a lot of good potential. They just need maybe a year or two to figure out maybe like their demons in their head or just figure out a couple other things before sure. they're ready to become professional. Sure. Athletes. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh, the direction that the U.S. is headed in is, I think it's fantastic, the progress we've made and, I think academies are going to be the future of U.S. soccer. Uh, I just don't think we're at Europe's level, obviously. Mm -hmm. And so I think having college uh, still as a uh, celebrated opportunity in the United States, I think that's huge because uh, for me personally, I always valued an education. I always knew I was going to get a college degree. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know there are a lot of other soccer players and other athletes that 
uh, feel the same way, but the system uh, as it's set up in the U.S. right now, uh, yeah, I, I still value college a lot. Now in 15, 20 years, if it's mm -hmm. a lot closer to the European Academy system with uh, like open market, free agency, sure. uh, players getting more rights, that's um, then maybe you'll value, value college a little bit less as a soccer player because mm -hmm. the money in soccer will rise and so mm -hmm. you can really build a career and uh, a safety net just by playing soccer but um for me personally i, I valued college too well it's still working obviously but, with these two <laughs> <you know? laughs> i was gonna say also you're seeing a lot of talented um guys coming over from europe that maybe didn't get the breaks they needed or got a bad injury in a time of career and they're playing well in college so mm. so yeah i would just i'd pay back off of what chase said yeah i say right now like it's a good it's a good thing to have both maybe the stars of the academies, yeah, sign them up, get them ready early, but don't overlook the college process just yet. Right. Yeah, it's interesting because it just seems like, I mean, right now it feels a little ad hoc. You know, there's sort of a couple different pipelines that are going, and none of them are completely, mm. complete pipelines, you know. And so it's sort of, it's a little piecemeal. And then the U.S. deals with the geography question, right? Somebody was pointing this out that, you know, you look at France and they have, you know, several leagues and se several tiers. Th that is, France is the size of like Arizona, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you're talking about in terms of travel for these teams. And you just have this tremendous depth and thickness of academies and things like that. And here it's like, you know, you know, Minnesota United as having an academy and drawing in from North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota, <laughs> like that's a tremendous geographical area to try to pull people from. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's like, it sort of feels like it's a little bit piecemeal right now, but then you see also in, in other situations when it gets really rigid, then it can shut people out from, from some of those pipelines, you know? Um, and, you know, like Hassani is a good example of like somebody you picked up in the second round, you know, from a smaller school, you know, you sort of came in from outside and, and vaulted into this conversation as, as a potential rookie of the year. And, you know, that's, it's kind of, I mean, <laughs> I want to say it's exciting that things happen like that. You, I don't know how you feel. No, about no, no, that. that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. It was fun. It's fun to see, you know, like, and I've said it, we've said it before on this podcast, again, no offense to you, as we go through, as we're going through draft day and we're prepping for it, you know, and we make the selections and then you, you got picked. I was like, I hope I get to meet him. Like, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. like I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and then everybody I've talked to has just said, you know, from day one of training camp, like you were just showing you were ready for this. And that's super, it's super exciting. And that's one of the things I love is actually guys coming into the team and just proving themselves and doing well. I don't have a question. I just wanted to say. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't winding up to anything. Well, I, I was going to ask. I was going to ask, actually. Describe to us, if you can, emotionally, physically, mentally, what is draft day like as a player? Because it must be an unbelievable experience, especially when you do get drafted as well. Chase, I'll start with you. Yeah, it's a, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's like the best and worst day all the time. <laughs> the, uh, so my family actually traveled with me to, to Chicago for the draft and um, yeah, I mean, it's just the most nerve. As soon as you wake up, you're just nervous. You got this pit in your stomach because it's potentially the next four years of your life. You're figuring out where you're going to live, what team you're going to be on. And, um, I mean, it's definitely exciting. You have butterflies and then going to, uh, I forget the name of the convention center the draft was at, but it's you know, the, the biggest building I've seen in my life. And so <laughs> just everything, the intimidation factor just kind of keeps building and building. And then. 
Uh, but what you think it's going to be a room with a couple hundred people turned out to be a couple thousand people, fans from all the MLS clubs are there. And that's when I sat down in my chair with my family is when it really hit. And I saw uh, Mr. Garber walk up onto the stage and I was like, oh, wow, this is <laughs> And then uh, going through the picks, you hear everyone's name. And after the first five picks, then you're just like, okay, I hope I get picked. I hope I get picked. And every pick that goes on, you're just like, okay, I hope the next one, I hope the next one. And then uh, I thought because Dane already got picked up by Minnesota United, I was like, okay, Minnesota's out, out of the question. Just we'll see, we'll see who it is. And then when I heard Minnesota traded, I was I was pretty optimistic because I thought uh, the interview went really well. I loved the coaches. Uh, I knew a lot of guys on the team. So deep down, I was like, <laughs> and then and and I knew my my friend Dane just got selected. right your roommate right so so uh hearing my name it I mean it was just shock and but uh happiness relief a lot, there were, there were <laughs> a lot of emotions and then getting up walking up to the stage I kind of blacked out I don't really remember what happened but I saw Dane Dane stood up and you know dapped me up gave me a hug and that's when it really set in and I said wow this <laughs> Nice. Nice. Uh, What about for you, Hassani? So, yeah, so I watched it at home. Um, Did you have, like, a party? You have people over? You have, like, Um, No, I was with, like, a lot of my soccer teammates. Oh, okay. A couple of my soccer teammates. My girlfriend was there. Um, My uh, brother had a game. So, it was kind of hectic, but I was, like, everyone was telling me I was going to get drafted, but I was pretty nervous. Um, I knew that it could go either way. So, that's why I decided to stay home. But um, I th- like Chase said, I thought the interview with Minnesota uh, went well. And so I just wasn't sure um, when the 31st picked if they were going to pick me. Or um, at the time, they said maybe Anderson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when he went to Atlanta, I was like, okay, maybe I'll go to Minnesota United. <laughs> I know they're getting a new stadium. And, um, but when they called my name, it was just relief. Like, okay, now – that's over with. Now it's time to focus and get ready for Minnesota. Was there that was that moment of like relief, and then you're like, well, now now it all starts. Like that, it's, yeah. you, for a second, you're like, ah, and you're like, okay, well now I have to move to Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it's that that day is the the happiness. You call everyone, texts you, calls you, and you talk to your friends and loved ones, and yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pure joy. It's when you, your dream comes true. But then the next day, when you started like researching the club, looking at the players, and then you're understanding, you're like, oh, this is the competition. This is who I need to beat out right. first in order. And and as an athlete, you know that nobody cares if you're a college kid, if mm-hmm. you came from a good school, bad school, nobody cares. Day one, everyone's just saying, hey, I'm competing for my job. And so that's when, I guess, the honeymoon phase kind of ended. Was <laughs> the next morning when you wake up and right. you're just like, dang, this is <laughs> this is really happening. And time to get to work. Yeah. So what was what was your first impression, Hassani, of like Minnesota, of coming here and coming to the Twin Cities? Oh my goodness! <laughs> you and you guys have to come here in like January, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so it was really cold. Um, I got picked up by Biggs. So oh, I Biggs. mean, it was he's a good guy. He is. But the first thing, and I'll always tell this story, is we are all getting ready to go out um, to eat at a what was it Vietnamese place, yeah, something yeah, like that. Tough. And I just took a shower, so I just put some like product in my hair, blah blah blah. Got all ready. I walk outside within 30 seconds. 
like I feel my hair is hard. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? I'm like, what is that? My hair had frozen. And I was like, oh, this place is insane. This place is cold. <laughs> it so, gets extremely real yeah. very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my story. <laughs> what about you, Chase? Yeah, mine was um, similar. Mine was just as soon as uh, when I got here for the first time. I've never been to Minnesota, and I'd heard I'd heard about the cold, but I was like, all right, I'm from Virginia. It gets down to you know like twenty. <laughs> it's cold in Virginia. So I, like, I, I, sure. I know I know cold. <laughs> and then I walked out of the air. Uh, I called Ryan. Ryan Natouche came and picked me up, and uh, so I got my bags from baggage claim, and I called Ryan, and I start walking outside, and I see what have to be native Minnesotans. <laughs> In short sleeve t shirt and shorts, but you can see their breath like every every breath that they take. It's just, so I was like, wait, it's definitely freezing outside, but this guy's wearing shorts. And so I was like, all right, I'll be able to handle this. And as soon as I walked out, I, I checked my phone. It was like negative 13 or something. <laughs> and Ryan, it's a nice day. It's yeah, a yeah, nice it was, January day. It was, a good, uh, it was good timing because Ryan pulled up. And when that like negative 13 wind chill hit my face and Ryan's like, are you chase? I was like, no, actually I'm not. I'm late for my flight home is what I am. I'll see you later. So I'm like turning around thinking, okay, I messed up. I need to get out of here. But, um, luckily I got in the car and it worked out. That's awesome. Um, so on the subject of Minnesota, you mentioned it earlier on Hassani, a new stadium. Allianz field has been beyond, I think anything anybody thought that we would ever have here. You guys have played all over the country now, but if you can describe to us what it's like playing at Allianz Field, that the fan base have been phenomenal. When you guys made your debuts at Allianz Fields, what was going through your mind emotionally and, and physically? How was it playing in MLS at Allianz Field? So for my debut, it was more about like not letting the team down and also the fans. Um, but as uh, we continue to play, the season um the first game i was um on the bench uh in the club suit but it just felt like and i've only been in minnesota for what two months before that it felt like like a home type of feel like mm. this is this is where we belong like um the fans were just amazing they're cheering us on um win or lose like they could see that we're putting in uh the effort for them and for the club and it's just it's amazing to see how many like lives you can touch by just playing soccer, and I mean, if you can, for me, if you compare it to anyone else, I think Allianz. That's that's for my for me the my favorite at- atmosphere. Not just because it's the home field, but you can just see the joy on everyone's faces. You can see how much it means to them and how proud they are to be from Minnesota. Um, and yeah, yeah, I agree with Hassani. From day one, you just it felt right walking into the stadium and for that um i was actually for the first the nycfc game i yeah. wasn't allowed to the stadium because i was sick i had the flu oh, so. right. yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so well, coach said he didn't want me getting anyone else sick <laughs> and uh so i missed that i watched it on tv uh, but the next game um i was in the 18 and so i uh, was sitting on the bench wasn't used at all but I'll never forget. It's it was always the same people that sat in the seats behind the bench. Sure, and they were just the friendliest people on earth. Like during the game, they're always complimenting the players, saying like, "Oh, I like that guy. He works hard." Or that was a great play. And just hearing hearing that from the fans behind you, and then after the games, when 
Uh, you thank the fans for coming. You give high fives, and you just see how how truly appreciative they are and how genuine it is. I mean that that helped me out so much. So uh, I got injured, and then when I came back from injury, and I uh, played my first game at Allianz was against FC Cincinnati, and before the game started, I got like this last second, like, oh my gosh, what, mm. this is a pro game. What, what am I doing? <laughs> but I don't belong here. But then I, I actually specifically thought to the one woman who always sat behind me uh, when I was on the bench and just how nice she was. And I thought, Hey, it's Minnesota. Nice. Everyone's like this. <laughs> the people are fully behind the team and that it gives you that push, that confidence that um, I think we're so lucky to have. And uh, I'm going to agree with Asani. I mean, we're definitely biased, but we have the best fans and the best stadium in the country by far. It helps out so much. And and as far as getting acclimated to the team as you got into the season, I was curious about the you know your your role uh, and the guys who sort of helped you out get get acclimated to that. You know, like it, it, you know whether you're Chase, you're playing on sort of boxy side in the back line. I was sort of curious about that sort of backline communication and sort of that, you know, like Ike's got Roman on his side and Boxy's got you. Like what's, what's the chain of command there? Like, like who's barking out all the orders? Um, well, we all listen to Vito cause he has the view <laughs> of the entire field. So uh, Vito does a great job at communicating to us. Ike's very vocal. And when Ike talks, you listen, just, you know, that as uh, well established as he is and less defender of the year. Sure. You want to listen to him. Foxy does an excellent job at communicating with him or communicating with me um, as to where he wants me. And I think everyone does a great job. Roman, it took a little time because he had to learn English, but sure. even him, I thought he was fantastic. I could hear him on the left side of the field. So that means he's talking loudly and talking a lot. So um, I gather his English has improved quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, at first, it was, it was very difficult. It was <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> And then um, <laughs> after the yellow la phase, then the English came in. It was bad after Madagascar, too. Yeah, oh. yeah. after the African it got, it got worse. So he was away, and then it got it degraded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think because it, it was yellow la or French, and yeah. that's all we heard out of his mouth. Yeah. I empathize. I took French in 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 high school, and if I whenever I would go to, I'd be you know I've gone to Paris a couple of times. Over the course of my trip, it gets good. And then I'm like, oh, I'm good. And then within a couple of weeks, I lose it completely when I come back. So I, I have a lot of respect for anybody who's willing to dive in. Oh, yeah. I totally respect all the language. guys that speak more than one language. They are way further ahead than me. So yeah, all, all respect to those guys like Tomas, uh, Ali this past season, all those guys. Yeah. I thought they did an incredible job. Vito out there doing like media availability in Spanish. I mean, Vito could do it in any language. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, hey, Vito, can you sign something? He'd whip out his American sign language. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> I think he knows what, like four or five languages. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's incredibly intelligent. Yeah. Vito is great. He has been, he was one of my absolute favorites this season just for talking to, because you know, when you, when I, you're doing sort of week to week, we have to, we do previews. And so you guys, have, I've talked to both of you on the, on the field after, after training, you ask a couple questions. A lot of guys, you ask a question, they give you a couple sentences like Vito. I'm sitting there like transcribing like Vito. You're <laughs> <laughs> really getting into the depth here. <laughs> it's, it's terrific. Yeah. Uh, Hassani, as far as sort of mentors, you know, I, I know people have asked you about um, working with Ozzy and what he's been like. You've talked about him sort of, you know, not necessarily taking, he's not taking you under his wing, but he's leading by example and sort of showing you what a pro is like. Either either insights from from Ozzy or, or other guys, you know, maybe who weren't Ozzy who also helped you out this season. Yeah, I think, um, like, Ozzy and Jan, they lead by example. Like, Ozzy, 
Um, just the thing that he, the things that he does, taking care of his body, and then Jan always staying after practice to work on whatever he um to work on like, soccer tennis. Let's be honest. That's what <laughs> yeah, he does that. But like I even <laughs> seen him. Too many L's. <laughs> I haven't seen him doing like passing drills or cone work. You know, but for me, I think like Ethan, he's been fantastic. Um, I mean, you know, he barks at you, but you know that he's always gonna work his hardest. No matter what, he's gonna give you all the energy that he has, and he has that fire in him, and so like that helps me, you know, ignite mine. And when I was playing outside back, um, just that communication with Ike and saying, okay, like yeah, show him this way because I have your back here, or this, this, and that. Like Chase saying it, it makes like you grow a type of uh, relationship, and you learn how to play with one another. Like okay, I'm gonna do this because. Ike likes this, or Ike tends to do this. Sure. And the same with Boxy. And with those two, it's like, if I felt like I messed up with something, they're always, with Boxy and Ike, you say, oh, did you prefer me doing this or this? And they have all the time in the world to talk with you about it, to draw up plays. Like, one time I asked Ike about a question, like, because I didn't know if I was going to play center mid or outside back. Um, and he's like, oh, well, do you want to talk now? It was 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> you know, like, he always has time. He's always willing to help because he knows what it was like to be a young guy coming in. Um, and Vito as well. Um, he's, like, the fact that he's played in Europe and seen so many, so much great talent. And he's not above coming and helping me and Chase out with something or saying, oh, try doing this. Um, it just means the world to me just to know that they're, like, they care about me and my career as much as I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you, you've both played fullback in this system as well. Um, what has it been like working under Adrian Heath and, and getting to know his system and what he prefers? I I mean, it, it couldn't be a better situation uh, for me personally, um, not, not because of the players we have, but because of the style of the play and how our coach likes to play and, uh, me personally, I I like to attack. I think defending's kind of boring. <laughs> just, just defending, just being a defender, I don't enjoy it that much. So getting in the attack, joining in, uh, I think that's my style of play and what I like to do, and that's what he's all about. And uh, and so he he gives us a lot of freedom as outside backs to do the attacking and offensive work as long as we do our defensive duties. And so um, I'm just really grateful and thankful that he gave us the. Uh, that much, he gave us that much freedom, which gives you confidence as a player. That if my my coach believes in my ability and trusts me, and that helped me a lot as a. Uh, as an outsider. So you have to eat your vegetables, and then you get to eat your sweets. Correct. Right? Yeah, right. it's funny because I I talked to you on draft day. I remember asking about you know like how you play, and you said I always work hard. Is I and you mentioned you're like I defend because that's my job. But what I really like is just bombing up and down. Yeah. <laughs> if wing, I could be so. an attacking midfielder, I would do it. I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I would never play defense again. But defenders. So. What, what, what about you, Hassani, in terms of the, the system? And, you know, you obviously started sort of in that fullback position, although you're, you know, sort of mostly a, as a midfielder. Did you, did you curious about what, you know, what Cal is asking, but also like what you took from that experience into playing midfield later on? Um, For me, the biggest thing is, like how passionate he is as a coach. And like I was just saying about Ethan, that just makes you want to play for him even more. Like when you see that your coach cares and your coach has passion, even though if he's screaming at you, it just means that he wants what's best with you for you. Um, and like like you said, I played midfield in college, so I wasn't really 
used to, you know, taking touches past players, running, even though, like, I can. And so when he's like, Hassan, just go take him on. Just do this. It, like Chase says, it gives you confidence. Like, okay, he, it's, doesn't, he doesn't care necessarily if you lose the ball. It's, he cares, like, about just making the right play. Like, Hassani, you need to run forward if you can because um, it makes you more unpredictable. Um, and I just think that helped me a lot. Um, scored a couple goals off of it. They were okay. <laughs> but for me, the, big, the biggest thing is the passion and the belief that he has in all of the players. He said it from day one that he's going to, you know, I feel like most coaches say, oh, we're going to need everyone is equally as important. But the fact that he's given me a chance, um, Chase a chance, like all of us to come and help the team, um, I think it's been, like, very important and very um meaningful to me it makes me want to play even more for him you know i don't know if that makes sense no absolutely it does yeah um <laughs> he's given you both a lot of freedom um but steve mentioned it just there hasani uh, you've scored a couple of goals which weren't bad at all is there a, a favorite that you can think of um even though it wasn't the prettiest goal the goal against uh sporting was my favorite that was i wonder why <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> So talk us through that moment because, you know, it wasn't just, you know, a year prior to that, you were thinking, am I going to be a professional at all? And there you are a year later, scoring arguably the biggest goal in Minnesotan soccer history. Yeah, I mean, I just try to take one day at a time. <laughs> I just try to go Smart. one day at a time. Um, like I've said before, I had a pre-contract uh, with New Mexico if I didn't get signed with Minnesota United. Um, so it was, it was kind of cool seeing all them. And see how well they were doing in the mm. in the cup, but um, that game, I was just I was just trying to make the right play, and I, I was even gonna pass the ball to Ethan, um, the defender. He like changed his stance, and I really, really wanted to score the goal with my left foot. <laughs> I really did because I scored a couple with the right. Um, <laughs> Gotta when, keep it even. <laughs> and when it went in, it was just like that was probably the best emotion, feeling, the rush, everything. Like, because, like, we all knew how much we wanted the game. And obviously, I didn't think the game was over. But um, it was just such an amazing feeling. Um, the fans, they were so loud. And then being, um, like, celebrated with my teammates, it was just, it was wonderful. You didn't mess up the slide. Oh. I'm like Ethan. That, that I owe to Ethan. Because he messed up, I was like, I really have to commit to this. Like, my knees were burning after. I was like, we have to commit. Full sense. Right. <laughs> um, one other question for Hassani. <clears throat> Why'd you cut your hair, bro? Like, what's up with that? Um, I always said I was going to cut my hair after season. Oh, okay. Um, is it going to come back? Are you going to grow it back out? Or is it like... I mean, I'm pretty... like. I would say I want it to come back. Okay. Like that's what I'm going to do. But I might do a vote and see what okay. people are like. I was supposed to braid my hair because I lost a bet to Chase. <laughs> He's but, watching on the bet. I know. But I couldn't find a hairstylist in time. So I was just like, okay. And it hurts a lot. So I was like, uh, I'll just let this one. <laughs> let so this what's one. the forfeit then? Because he hasn't braided the hair. What's... Yeah, that's up to Chase. I mean, there's no hair. I can't say anything about hair bets, so I'm not going to hold this one against them. But anything else, I'll hold against them. All I'll let you guys know is that Brent Coleman raked in a good deal of money to cut his hair 
the first season here because he had long hair. I don't know if you guys have seen yeah, the picture. So he had long hair, that. and guys kept saying, like, you should cut it. And he was, like, holding out, and they kept started offering him money. And he just held out until it was, I don't know what the figure is, but it is high that he finally cut his hair. So, you know, if you're going to grow your hair back, you know, there might be money in it somehow <laughs> for you. So He's a very smart guy. <laughs> He's got his eyes on the prize. All right, last thing I want to ask you guys both, uh, playoff predictions. We've got the, the, the conference finals coming up now. Hopefully it's you, the wounds have, have healed a little bit, and, and you can accept that and move on to talking about MLS beyond Minnesota United. LAFC versus Seattle. Hassani, who you got? Hmm. I think it's going to be a close game, but LAFC have a lot of firepower. Um, even if they're down by a couple goals, you know, you they always look like they're going to score. So I'm going to go with LAFC. All right. Chase? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think I think the home field advantage is the deciding factor for me. Mm-hmm. Playing Seattle up in Seattle is tough to do. So if the game yeah. was in Seattle, I'd give it to yeah. them. But because it's in L.A., they, they have an incred- uh, incredible stadium fan base, and uh, I think they're just too powerful at home. Okay. Uh, and Chase, follow it up. Atlanta versus Toronto. Is it home field? Is that still playing to the? No, I think Atlanta's better. Just Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. I think I think Atlanta's better. Yeah. I think they'll win. So, I want Toronto to win. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, LAFC versus Atlanta then, if that's the final matchup, who do you like in that? LAFC. LAFC? Mm, if that's the final, I think I like Toronto more. I feel like... Wait, oh, so have Toronto? I mean, I mean Atlanta, Atlanta. Atlanta more. Okay. Like Atlanta more. Okay. I think Joseph, he's so clever with his movements. Sure. That even if Atlanta is under a lot of pressure, that he's just, he's able to break the code. You know, just one ball over the top from Julian Gressel. Mm-hmm. Or he just, even if he misses a chance, next one is in. So, I think Atlanta. All right. That sounds good. Thanks, guys, for joining us. It's been tremendous. It's been a very enjoyable conversation. Um, thank you, Hazani Dawson. Thank you, Chase Gasper. Thank you, Cal Williams. Pleasure. Yeah, all right. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best dressed of all of us here right now. I feel I like far. I'm far I, I really like your jacket. Well, I appreciate I, I dressed because I assumed they were training outside today, so I thought I I'd bundle up a little bit. I, you, know? you, guys, you guys should see Cal. He's got, he's got like a beautiful brown long coat on and a turtleneck. And You're not cold. I'm, I'm freezing right now. You're like a, like a warrior poet over I'm there. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready for the winter at all. <laughs> well, thanks, everybody out there, for joining us for the 81st Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Cub, a store I strongly recommend for the robust, robust produce selection be sure to leave us a nice review on itunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on twitter at mnufc and cal at CalWilliams.com and me at steve entries do you guys have you guys don't have twitters do you have twitters no twitter just instagrams just instagram yeah. okay what are your instagrams Sonny Dotson. okay chase gasper all right that was easy <laughs> we'll find them on instagram apologies as always to richard wagner and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are <laughs>